A billion years ago, there was nothing but space Then one of God's wet farts blew all the planets in place There were no signs of life on Mars or Venus But planet Earth was blessed with two baby geniuses Baby geniuses, we know everything Baby geniuses, we know everything Baby geniuses, we know everything Baby geniuses, tell us something we don't know Hello, babies. babies. <laughs> 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 Welcome to Baby Geniuses. I'm Emily. I'm Screamsa. <laughs> God damn it. Again. <laughs> I'm Screamily. <laughs> Screamily Yeller. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Yeller's scarier than Heller. Right? Yeah, I hate being yelled at. It's so scary. <laughs> it really is very scary. The that worst. was one of my main motivators all through childhood is just not getting yelled at. Oh, yeah. It's devastating. Even <sighs> as an adult, being yelled at. Yeah. I don't even remember why I was thinking about this, but last night I was just going over in my head the exact words of when someone yelled at me when I was 11. <laughs> what did they yell at you? Um, <laughs> I feel like it would really give away who it was if I said who it was, but it was like... Yeah, uh, I I just had a friend who I was like way too mean to, oh. and her mom yelled at me. Really? I was like, you've done a lot of mean things to her in the past, but this is the meanest. Oh my God, what had you done? I just like was saying mean things to her to other kids in the class. Oh, Emily. It was really bad. <laughs> Isn't that terrible, the moment when you realize you're actually kind of a horrible person? Yes. Really. Especially as a kid, it's devastating. Yeah. You're like, wait, but I thought I was good. That's the thing where I, I feel like as an adult, people keep being like, what do you mean you're not a nice person? And I'm like, I'm not a nice person because <laughs> I've carried that shame with me my whole life about that and just like other things where I'm just like, it's not an instinct to be nice. It's like a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also surprised when people say I'm nice. Really? Yeah. I'm like, that is very surface level. <laughs> 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 I'm like the biggest shit talker. Yeah. But loyal to my friends. <laughs> but I'm not nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, we're a couple bitches. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you've already, if you're already a listener, then you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like a lot of people think we're nicer than we are. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to dispel that myth. We're not the meanest. Or if I should. Yeah. We we are the laziest podcast hosts on Max Fun, I think, but we're probably not the meanest. I don't know who's meaner, but I just don't think. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I would have to look at the list, and then I could probably tell you my <laughs> thoughts. Again, proving I'm not a nice person. Let's rank all of them. <laughs> I feel like one of the ways I've tried to deal with like <laughs> my new favorite thing is like at weddings or parties, just like when I'm talking to someone and we've run out of things to say, I just ask like, "Who's your least favorite person here?" <laughs> <laughs> it's especially good to ask like the bride the bride or groom or whatever that's delightful yeah because you know they immediately know the answer yeah but they may or may not tell you uh someone really, else at the a the, lot of people just say me they say they're like myself myself yeah. oh wow that's that's a very generous answer wish i'd thought of that yeah what were you gonna say oh i was just gonna say someone at the barn recently was like Lisa, I can't keep track of who we hate here. <laughs> who do we hate? And I was like, we hate everyone. <laughs> oh, man. They're yeah. Just, you know, barns I, are like that. I feel like a weird thing about growing older, growing up, is that like, 
every few years you have to reassess like shit talk that you heard several years ago yeah. and be like, do I still find the person who said that credible? Yes. And if not, do I need to reevaluate these long held superficial opinions about people? Yeah, I am. I feel like I am a little bit more forgiving than I was in the yeah. past. Like, and yeah, it's hard to remember. It's like, wait, did this person literally like harm someone I know? Yeah, or, or did I just find one of their Twitter posts annoying? Yeah, were they yeah. just corny on Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> Do I really need to ostracize them? Yeah. And then you have to kind of like check back in or sometimes you'll be shit talking people and then one of your friends is like, wait, but actually they're really nice. And you're like, oh yeah, they are yeah. nice. I'm being an asshole. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be checked. It's good to be checked. It's good to remember that people grow and change and sometimes get worse. Yeah. Some of them really get worse. Yeah. That's always fun. Yeah. It's it's fun in Hollywood comparing stories with people where you're like, I worked with this person before they got power. Yeah. And I worked with them after. Uh-huh. Who is, what, what are their different versions? It's not always who you'd expect. <laughs> yeah. It really isn't. Some nice people get some power and then holy shit. And yeah, they're like. Holy shit. Yeah. All of the bad stuff comes out. Man. Fun uh, to watch, but yeah. terrible in action. Uh, <laughs> terrible in action. And also sometimes not that fun to watch. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but yeah, it is. It's a weird, it's a weird thing where it, uh, all people are sort of bad. Yeah, they are. Yeah. No one's purely good. Mm-mm. Um, speaking of which, <laughs> I don't know if this is actually a good transition. Are you going to segue to... Talking about the Pirates Dinner yeah. Theater? I'm just like, how are you going to do you this? You fucking be- better believe it. <laughs> Speaking of complicated moral truths, I did not know who to root for in the Vampirates Dinner Theater. <laughs> because by all accounts, the, the pirates are the villains of yeah. the whole show. But, but we love we're pirates. still assigned a pirate to root for. Oh. And I'm like, why am I rooting for someone to win when I'm like, they're all the bad guys? It's great to root for the bad guy. Haven't you yeah. heard that Billie Eilish song? <laughs> No, I haven't. <laughs> yes, you have. I haven't. Really? Yeah. How, can you... How would I have heard it? Because it's everywhere. Where is it? It's like the n- number one song. Is it not? Yeah, oh. but I don't listen to the radio. Oh. <laughs> I feel like it's just playing like in the ether. It's just ambient yeah. sound. Yeah. I mean, maybe I have heard it, but I can't, I can't identify it. I like her. I like her songs. I'll listen to it. Anyways. Um, Pirates. <laughs> So you and I went to go see Medieval Times like several years ago. It was great. Which was, yeah, it was great. Exceeded all my expectations. The concept of Medieval Times is very clear. It's like you are at a medieval tournament. (laughs) You're sitting in the stands and these knights are jousting and stuff uh, for the favor of the queen or whatever. Yeah. And um, it's very low concept, really. Yeah. And while we were there, we got like there was like an advertisement for the Pirates Dinner Theater or they made some crack about the Pirates Dinner Theater at and I was like, oh, my God, there's like another one right across the street. And I, I it's just not the same company, right? It's not the same yeah. company, I don't think. And I just assumed that that meant that entire block was populated with like <laughs> 10 different types of dinner theaters of all different sort of things. There's just the two of them. Oh. And then there's one, like, I think, uh, just like a circusy dinner theater, too. But that's... And there then, should be, like, a cowboy one. Like right? A, like there a rodeo. There should be all kinds of ones. Yes. I want, I want all kinds. 
I don't <laughs> I want know why one I can't that's think under of a the single other under the sea. Yeah, or uh, <laughs> outer space. There should be space. like a yeah a space tournament. <laughs> Terrible. I would never go to that. So the thing about medieval times is like the concept is very clear. With pirates, it's a little bit sweatier mm-hmm. to try and find a reason for pirates to compete with each other. <laughs> who are part of the same crew Mm -hmm. and for you to be watching them do it makes way less sense there's like a whole lot more plot around like someone is kidnapped and then like they also capture a mermaid and because it was the in october it was like the halloween month so they were like gonna um turn the, they were all vampires too, so they were vampirates, and that was a whole thing. That's and great. there was all this like family drama, but um, <laughs> really, it was just like really um, acrobatic performances. So it was like there was a lot of like fake fighting and stuff, and like flying around on ropes and stuff like that, and a lot of jokes. But then singing, they sang like a paramour song at one point. <laughs> and then uh, at one point they were like, it's time for a celebration. And they took these boards out of the stage, which was just like a pirate ship, mm-hmm. revealing a trampoline. And then they all just took turns doing a bunch of flips on the trampoline. That's great. Which is just like, this is great, but this how is this a pirate show? <laughs> this makes no fucking sense. Um, and it was like, a very, uh, I mean, everyone was really good. Our pirate was the best. Oh, good. Um, he was really good. His name was Cutthroat Jack. <laughs> he did not cut any throats in the entire show, even Sounds though. Hot. <laughs> yeah, he was kind of gross, but uh, <laughs> he was really funny. Like he like uh, really roasted my friend whose birthday we were celebrating, okay. uh, which was pretty cool. Um, but there was one part of the show, they were like really playing up that they're like, we're bad guys and we're jerks and stuff like that. And then there's one part of the show where they bring a bunch of kids up on stage from the audience to get, to take the pirate oath mm-hmm. to become pirates. And they're all like, so there's just like this line of like 20 kids on stage, all like saluting and like giggling and stuff. And then, one kid started crying because he was just like that thing of like when a kid's not sure how to feel about something and then they just turn and start crying. And I watched Cutthroat Jack like expertly notice exactly when the kid started crying, go over, comfort them, wave down the parents, like hand the kid off to the parents. And I was just like, this is not very cutthroat. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the veil uh, is dropping a little bit. Pirates contain multitudes. Some of them are great with children. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was no plank. They didn't walk the plank. But I guess I that might not be a real thing. I Yeah, maybe it's not. Yeah. It's just been perpetuated through fiction. P- possibly. Peter Pan. Um, anyway, it was a really great What was the food like? The food was gross. <laughs> I, mean, I had like a butternut squash ravioli. I don't know. I guess they had gone to I, Italy and uh, picked that, up some provisions. That pirate food. <laughs> yeah. There was no real like, they weren't trying to go for like a pirate theme it wasn't, with the food. It wasn't like generally seafood or whatever. No. Like there was some seafood. It was like a seafood and chicken dish if you got meat. Mm-hmm. But then it was also, it was like, but then our like, our drinks came in like mugs, like <laughs> flagoons or whatever, or right. flagons of, I don't know. But I was like, that's like the most that they did. There were no like chocolate coins or anything like that. Boo. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> that's fine. There's like a limit to... <laughs> Uh, but all of the guys had like 
contoured their chests with like makeup and stuff, which was really intense. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a great show. I want to see more dinner theater. I want to do some like murder mystery dinner theaters oh, and stuff like fun. that. Right? I'd go back to medieval times. I just you know. Yeah, I mean medieval times is great. The horses, great. Yeah. <laughs> I like the food too. It was like chicken and a baked potato. Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) I was satisfied. Um, I also like, I mentioned this briefly in the last episode, but I guess I've just been thinking about pirates a lot, uh, possibly because of that. And because I read this article about Anne Bonny, who was like this pirate. Did you read it? I listened to it. Yeah. On, on autumn, which by the way, that app really has like changed my life. I've listened to so many articles. I did get depressed because I was listening to so many about like Jeff Bezos and Amazon and how it's bad. And then I listened to one about the homelessness crisis. And like, I really like (sighs) most are hard to get to sometimes. (laughs) Most long read articles are about something really depressing, like climate change. And yeah, so I was getting bummed, but then I listened to the pirate one. It was really fun. Isn't it fun? It did sound entirely fictional. (laughs) I know. It sounded like so much stuff was made up, but I really enjoyed it. But Peter looked up the woman who wrote it and he was like, she's a legit historian. She is legit. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but like, I just, the story's incredible. Yeah. There's like polyamory and lesbians and like cross-dressing and stuff. Like all of these like women were raised as men because if you were an illegitimate child- like it was considered okay for like your dad to give you money if you were a boy. And so both her and this other woman who she eventually became lovers with were both raised as boys and then became pirates pretending to be men and then like fell in love and found each other and then like figured out who they really were. It was just fucking crazy. It was a great story. Yeah. It's a great story. I highly recommend (laughs) reading it. Um, Anyway, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, I've been posting a lot more diary comics for Inktober. Inktober is hard. Man, yeah. Inktober got me. You're nailing it. Thanks. It's really hard. I mean, it, it's been good. Like, I've been really pushing myself, but like, I'm fucking tired. <laughs> the month is like half oh, man. over. Yeah. Um, I forgot how hard it is, but uh, sh- yeah. By the time to- this comes out, it'll be almost over. It'll be almost over. Thank yeah. God. Um, and then I'll take a break. But uh, it's been fun. Um, and I've been making more diary comics that are a little bit more vulnerable. And um, I made one about having SIBO, which I haven't really talked about. Yeah, I didn't even know what that was until I read your comic. And I will be honest, I still don't totally know. (laughs) (laughs) It's a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. um, And I won't really go into like, if you want to like Google it, you can. But uh, it's just like, my guts are fucked up. And it's really annoying. And I've been dealing with it for years. And I've been in treatment for it for a year. And right now I'm on my like second round of antimicrobials for it and they make me so sick oh god (laughs) and it just um it sucks like I didn't realize before like how much your mood is impacted by what you eat and like how your gut is but it's like oh yeah over 90 percent of your serotonin comes from your gut like it's made in your stomach so anything that affects that your digestion or whatever is going to affect your mood and like I was having like horrible panic attacks all the time and then when I changed my diet those stopped Oh, interesting. So that's been really amazing. I have gotten a lot better. Like my levels have gotten a lot better and I, I just retested recently, but they're not perfect. So I still feel kind of yucky. But um, yeah. anyways, if, if anyone out there is like suffering from those symptoms and they have like IBS or whatever, but it seems really bad and it's interfering with their life, then they might actually have SIBO and they should see a, a gastroenterologist or a dietitian who actually knows stuff about it because uh, – 
it's really changed my life. Like having treatment, Man. like it's so empowering to actually have a diagnosis and know that it's not all in my head. Yeah. Cause I'd seen doctors before that were like, Oh, it's probably just anxiety and you should just take antidepressants. And it's like, but that's not, you're like, it's anxiety that's caused by this because I, yeah. Like I would literally suddenly just feel like I needed to run out of a building and I still get that once in a while, but it's so much better now. And oh, it was, it was great. because I was eating all this stuff that was inflaming me literally. Oh my God. I used to think inflammation was just like a trendy word and now I actually understand it. I'm like, okay, that's a real thing. I want to get my guts checked out. It, this, I feel this like this dietitian's also- great. She'll like, she'll do tests on you. She'll like test your poop. It's wonderful. Oh man. She'll tell you what's going on. Okay. I'm going to get that recommendation. This is also making me think about like all the times in our friendship when there were things you were like not into doing where you were like, I need to leave right now. And I'm like, should we try and do those things again? <laughs> I don't remember what they are. What were they? I don't know. I remember at one point. Um, I mean, I also am just like really anxious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not going to change. just like exaggerated. Yeah. Uh, I feel like when we went to the Magic Castle, there was one point where you were like, I need to go outside. Oh, that's because I um, ate a weed candy and oh. uh, fucking freaked out. <laughs> I do not do well with anything like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, there I really was freaking out. Uh, (laughs) But also, I wonder if you'll like weed more now that you. I've been. Because sometimes it just sort of like exaggerates what you're already feeling. And if you aren't feeling anxious, it might not make you. But I'm not going to try and keep making you eat weed. (laughs) I mean, one thing I've learned. I mean, I guess I knew this already is that I'm just incredibly sensitive. Like every new supplement I try, I have to try the smallest amount and then gradually ease up. And then some of them I just can't handle. Like I just tried one for a week that um, it was called Modal Pro and it's supposed to like help the motility of your gut. And uh, it made me so depressed for a full week. Yeah, I could barely leave the house. And then I tried upping my dose and it made it worse. And I was like, okay, so it's that. So I need to stop taking that. Oh, and it's man. weird because you f- you figure like, oh, well, if I just feel weird, I'll stop taking the thing. But when it's in your mind and it's like affecting your mood, it's really hard to get that perspective on it. Yeah. Because you're just like, I feel terrible. I'm a horrible person. Everyone hates me. It's like, wait, no, that's like a symptom, like a side effect. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Oh, God. Um, But the cool thing about putting this comic out there is that so many cool, talented, funny people that I know came to me and were like, I have this too. Whoa. Yeah. Like a lot of comedians, writers, showrunners, like really like awesome people. That's awesome. We're like DMing me and being like, I'm in Name. treatment for Names. this. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to out anyone yeah. who's not public about it, but like a lot of them are suffering from the same thing and I had no idea. Wow. Um, and it's nice to know like, I don't know. I was just worried people would think I was gross or weak or like that I was trying to get attention or something, even though I'd never think that about anyone else if they were saying they have a problem. So it was really hard for me to say that I had this, but like, I don't know. Yeah. Thanks to everyone who's like reached out or left a comment or whatever. Yeah. Is going through the same thing. That's cool. It's exhausting. (laughs) It's exhausting, but it's good to shine a light on those things. Yeah. And everyone's got their own shit they're going through. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's just not having a Halloween costume yet. I know. That's really hard. (laughs) So you and I are basically going through the same thing. Yeah. I don't even, I don't think I can even put one together this year. I'll wear the same one I wore last year. Oh, yeah. Were you just a bird last year? Yeah, I just bought like a bird costume. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Your perfect bird costume. (laughs) People thought that I made it, which was great. That's great. I'm like, no, this was like... $20. (laughs) (laughs) 
Are you going to give out candy? No. I don't know. I will probably just hide. I just, I get so like, I did a, yeah, I don't know. I made a comic about Halloween trick-or-treaters coming and us not having candy and instead just being like, uh, what do we have? We have like 99% cacao (laughs) chocolate with like turmeric in it. You want some nibs? Cacao nibs? (laughs) Do you want my like weird paleo gluten-free cookies I made? (laughs) (laughs) They're sweetened with maple syrup. They're disgusting. (laughs) <laughs> that's all i have in the house uh i i bought candy and i bought some lawn skeletons i have Ooh. yet to install i love all that stuff so much yeah. even though i'm not participating i love seeing it <laughs> i just love how i would genuinely spooky this month is yeah although dead leaves are on the ground and it's just like kind of eerie and it's got that nip of coldness in the air yeah i like it it's there's great. some like hit or miss lawn decorations i've seen <laughs> What like some misses? of them are really like elaborate and great. And like uh, Peter sent me a picture of like our neighbors who I haven't walked by their house yet. But now I'm like, oh, I need to make a, a special trip to um, to go see it because uh, it's like they have it just like an elaborate skeleton diorama. And this is just a small part of it. There's like one playing a piano <laughs> and like what is happening? There. Uh, there's like okay so there's a skeleton playing piano another one playing guitar uh another one just sort of standing there dressed like a pirate there's like a skeleton dog and they're all <laughs> underneath a tent and there's like a a coffin with chains on it and like it's just like a very elaborate scene it's like almost like a haunted house on their front when lawn. i see stuff like that i'm like how close am i supposed to get like how much am i supposed to interact with yeah. this or am i supposed to just it seems like they're like having their own thing at it's that a, point that's like a great one and then my other neighbors where it's like they put a lot of effort into it and it looks really good but it's also kind of weird where they just have the girl from the exorcist just standing on a fake mattress on their front lawn Ooh. and no other decorations that's creepy and so it's kind of terrifying because when you approach it from far away it just looks like there's a person there and Ooh, you get I hate that. and it's just like her standing still like with her mouth open and a scream uh, and like just like standing on like a big like mattress shaped box with like a dirty sheet on it oh my god it's very weird there's a lot of halloween decorations happening in the neighborhood where i ride and it's like running a gauntlet like oh god <laughs> it's like horses are so scared of everything that's yeah. different and suddenly there's all these like sheets and skeletons popping out of lawns and shit oh man Oh my God, my horse bolted and fucking ran out into a street across, like in front of a car <gasps> the other day. Oh my God, that's so scary. It was so scary. Were you on her? Yeah, I oh was on God. her. She's like, was calmly walking and suddenly she was like full on gallop. Did she get spooked by a skeleton? No, she just like wanted to run home, uh, I think. She's testing me. Yeah. But it was really scary. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, so scary. Holy shit. <clears throat> I was fine. I'm glad. She's a bad girl. just like her mommy (laughs) when i was a teen i also bolted across roads i get it (laughs) um should we do chunch chat sure it's time for chunch chat our regular segment where we talk about any news in the world of martha stewart's pony ben chunch chunch when the clock strikes noon, we could have a picnic lunch find wine full moon and we're chatting about chunch and chunch I just kind of scrolled through Martha's Instagram <clears throat> and she's posting like uh, flashback pictures of her in, from previous Halloweens in her costumes. <gasps> and that's really fun because she always goes all out. Oh, yeah. Um, in 2009, she was a ghostly equestrian. She's just like she's just standing there oh, with her horse man. looking spooky. She's got like contacts in and stuff. That's awesome. It's great. 
Um, also on her Instagram, there's a video of her riding a tractor and it's set to Chameleonaire's uh, Riding Dirty. Oh, I saw that one. That's I love so it. good. I like that she's implying that she's um, carrying illegal drugs on a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> Which she might be. <laughs> she might be. Yeah. Just very slowly. And the caption around. was like something like, I just really like this smooth riding tractor. <laughs> like, yeah. She was like, just like endorsing the tractor. I, she is definitely endorsing the tractor. Um, I also just like that she's so like delighted by pairing videos to music. Yeah. Suddenly she's like, oh, <laughs> all my favorite songs. <laughs> uh, and then she uh, also planted some trees so that her pea fowl would have a place to perch. Ooh, I like that. That's good. The rest of her blog updates lately have been real boring. Sorry. It's okay. Her blog's been boring forever since this is part yeah. of its appeal really is it's just but now she can just put chameleon air songs underneath it she could yeah that would yes <laughs> that would improve everything on there <laughs> uh, i guess that concludes chunch chat that concludes chunch chat we'll be right back with one on fun Welcome to One on Fun. Oh, man, I thought of one this week, and I, now I don't remember it. I always do that. I forget to write them down. Yeah. Uh, I think of such good things in the car, and then I just never think think about them again or do them I know, because it's hard to write shit down when you're in the car. I've started yeah. making, like, videos of myself just talking. <laughs> They're really embarrassing. Okay, Lisa, uh, what would you say is, like, the best idea you've had where you like couldn't write it down but how would i know <laughs> i keep i like, always what do you what do you think about the most like yeah i don't know i think of a lot of random just bits of dialogue and stuff just the characters doing things that have nothing to do with like a bigger story arc but for some reason i just like them and i think they're important yeah um i'm trying to think if i should say the one i thought of yesterday but it's not even a thing yet so yeah. it's like embarrassing to even bring it up i get that it's just like i'll just like see someone walking on the side of the road and have like a kind of thought about them and then i'll be like this could turn into a story so i'll like write it down or yesterday i recorded myself like just doing dialogue as like a character that i made up really yeah oh my god that's great uh and i I mean i'm sure it'll turn into something sometime probably like five (laughs) years from now i don't know (laughs) you just never know yeah it's just good to write down shit no matter how dumb or nothing it is does that count as me asking a question? I'm not sure. I think so. Okay, good. Whew. I'm so relieved. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Emily, what's your favorite problematic thing? Oh, <laughs> I mean, probably Frasier. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Uh, yeah. Probably Frasier. I mean, anything made more than like two years ago is like going to be. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how quickly things are sort of like. Oh, yeah are sort of aging and mm-hmm. dating themselves, which is sort of like even like 30 Rock, there's just like I was gonna so say, many episodes that are rock. like, oof. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of like, 30 Rock might be like my favorite super problematic thing. I love I 30 know. Rock. Yeah, I still love it. I do too, but there's just so much transphobia yeah, in that show. There it's is. out of control. Yeah. And just like, 
Tina Fey really loves Asian jokes. Yeah. And they are very bad. Yeah, it's not weird. Kimmy Schmidt, too, has a ton of them, and it's like, it's not good. For some reason, for a long time, people just thought that that was safe territory. Like, yeah. That, it's so I mean, weird. a lot of people still do. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean, they do. Uh, and they are wrong. And they are wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Would you say, what's your favorite one that's terrible? <laughs> I don't know. I like a lot of like comedy movies that I'm sure upon rewatch would be bad. Like, I, I always loved Anchorman. I'm sure yeah. there's some really bad shit in there. Yeah. I wonder what's in there. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I don't feel like it means that bad people made them. It's just like people don't learn enough and don't care about that stuff necessarily. And so there's also stuff like I feel like Veep. And things just change. Veep is like a clever show because it's like, well, these are awful people so they can say anything. And it's like I should kind of be like, wait, but no, but I, it does make me laugh. And so I enjoy it. Yeah. It really depends on how it's done. There's certain yeah. deep jokes that I'm like, not okay with. Yeah. But then a lot of it, I am just sort of like, oh, this is what this person would say. Yeah. In this situation. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, the question is whether the sort of like omniscient voice of the show is telling you that they think that's funny also. Yeah. It's complicated. It's complicated. And constantly shifting. Yeah. I'm always worried that I'll be, you know, because you're like, well, everyone should just keep up with the times and like just know what's problematic and what isn't. But then I'm worried that, you know, pretty soon I'll be the one who's like, well, wait, I thought I could say that. Yeah. I didn't know. How am I expected to know everything? It's just. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how. Because it's one of those things where it's just sort of like we do act like it's very easy to sort of keep up and to not do that. But. Not that many people do that. I know. We're extremely online. Yeah, we really are. It's been interesting. I've been back at work on Barry, mm-hmm. and like, I don't, like, most of my coworkers are not on Twitter. Uh-huh. And it feels like our frame of reference for like political conversations is totally different. And it's very, it's interesting to be like, oh, I wonder how to talk about this now Mm -hmm. because there's so much just like shared language of like once you start talking about representation online in in circles where that's like the conversation has sort of moved forward and then it's just sort of things where it's sort of like oh do I even know how to explain this to someone who isn't as like doesn't have the exact same frame of reference as me I don't know it's tricky I want to quit Twitter but then I'm worried I'm gonna like get left behind in the cultural conversation or whatever like I kind of I do I hate Twitter so much and there's so much garbage on there but I do learn a lot on there yeah I think that like one one like really obvious pitfall that I think should be easy to avoid is like a lot of times when we sort of like find things problematic in shows or whatever because they're dated it's because they're trying really hard to sound current and they aren't yeah because they aren't caught up and it's like if you aren't trying to sound like you're of a time or if you aren't trying to be like satirical or I don't know I think that there's a way to do it if you aren't just like if you just set your goals to be slightly different I don't know Mm -hmm. is that clear is that very muddled (laughs) We're figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting convo. Yeah. That's this is one of our deeper went on funds. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them are really deep, but this one I think is the deepest so far. Yeah. Um <laughs> that concludes one on fun. 
Uh, is it time for Endorse Horse? Yeah. Baby geniuses endorse, letting nature take its course. Endorphins pump from the source when they hop up on that horse. Two babies, one endorse horse. Endorse horse. Endorsing services and items, no remorse. Two babies, one endorse horse. Riding off into the sunset, now here's something we endorse. I, I wasn't sure if this was something we were going to just like jump into or just like go to it whenever we said we liked something. <laughs> Wait, I, think I think we, we can, can do, do both. I think we do both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't right, really prepared for it this week, but um, I'll just do something on the fly. Uh, I'm going to endorse libraries. <laughs> <laughs> I like I wasn't into libraries for a while because I, you know, I used to check out a lot of books at libraries and then I would just like rack up late fees because I was a flake oh, yeah. in my early 20s. Um, so I avoided them for a little bit and now I'm back in baby. I'm back yeah. in hard and I love them. And I love that I can look up any book on the LA public library website and then I can just put it on hold if I want it. And then they'll just put it on a truck and bring it to my local library. That's so cool. No matter what library it's at, they'll just be like, okay, yeah, that horse book you wanted is I did check out a horse book. Yeah. It's like a bunch of arena <laughs> exercises. Um, it's great. Uh, and they just brought it, and within a couple of days, it was just at the Los Feliz uh, library. That's great. Yeah. I can just walk over and get it. I love it. And I'm checking out lots of the comic books and stuff. They also have uh, an app where you can listen to audiobooks for free if you have a library card. Yeah, I have that. Yeah. It's great. It's great. There's just... Libraries are great. We have a lot of librarian listeners. Yeah. Shout out to you and the work you Shout do. Shout out to you. Also, like, if I really like a book that I check out, I'll buy it. So it's not like you know, stopping me from buying anything. Yeah. I want to endorse the pirates dinner theater. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you already did. Uh, I'll also endorse the book. She said about the Weinstein story that was reported by the New York times. Oh, it's not the Ronan Farrow one. It's the other one. I do want to read the Ronan Farrow one that too. Oh yeah. Um, I'm curious about the, that I only heard about the Ronan Farrow one. Um, she said it's by Megan Tui and Jody Cantor and it's about, um, their work reporting the Weinstein story and a little bit about, um, Christine Blasey Ford. And it's just very interesting. All of the work they had to do to get people to go on record and to like piece things together. And then they were also like Ronan Farrow. They were like investigated by black cube and like they got all these emails from people being like inviting them to speak at conferences. And it was just like fake and like, so scary, so scary and weird and like intense. And, um, it really made me respect Ashley Judd a lot. Yeah. Because she was like the first person who agreed to be like, yeah, I'll be the ac- the first like actress to go on record with my name. And yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, is, upsetting it on, read. On, is it on audiobook? I did the audiobook. Yeah. I heard the Ronan Farrow one. He reads himself. Oh, yeah. And, and he the, does voices. And the voices are bad. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to read I heard it. a clip of him doing like a Eastern European accent. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. People make people make choices. People make choices. Yeah. I also just read the Gia Tolentino. She reads her own audiobook. Trick Mirror. Trick Mirror. Yeah. Did you read it? Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's she's a voice of generation. <laughs> wonderful yeah it's really good um that concludes endorse horse uh we'll be right back with weekly of the week
Hello, my name is Tusk Henderson, and I am an outdoorsman. Are you looking for a new comedy podcast? This month's episode of Beef and Dairy Network podcast has as its guest the wonderful Nick Offerman, playing the part of Tusk Henderson, adventurer and outdoorsman. Think about fitting yourself a month's worth of provisions and a half-ton cow into a kayak. So if you've never listened to the show before, this might be a good place to start. I string a bowstring between her horn tips and I can fire a spear off the top of her head and uh, took in some very delicious cod. So if you're after a new comedy podcast, why not try the Beef and Dairy Network from Maximum Fun? Download it now. You flip a cow upside down, they make an excellent toboggan. Welcome to Wiki of the Week. We have a very Halloweeny Wiki of the Week for you this week. <laughs> a lot of our wikis are Halloweeny, yeah, in general, <laughs> just because we're macabre yeah. fuckers. It's really just like <laughs> we just have to work to avoid our non-Halloweeny topics this time of year. We don't have to look <laughs> yeah. through many of our emails for uh, this week. It was sent to us by uh, Beth Potrats. Thank you, Beth. Should I not say her last name? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's the Wikipedia page. There's no uh, there's no writing in the email saying I can't. It's just wiki suggestion. Safety <laughs> coffin. Uh, it's the Wikipedia page for safety coffin. Or security coffin. Yes. This is a coffin fitted with a mechanism to prevent premature burial or allow the <laughs> occupant to signal that they have been buried alive. <laughs> A large number of designs for safety coffins were patented during the 18th and 19th centuries, and variations on the idea are still available today. Good this, to know this exists. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting Wikipedia page because it both freaks me out to talk about it, but also should comfort me. Yes. Like, I this just, should be a comfort. It's just reminding you that, like, this is an actual... That this is an option to yeah. get buried alive. God, History. The fear of being buried alive peaked during the cholera epidemics of the 18th and 19th century. Okay, who, I don't, that feels like editorializing to me. <laughs> but I want to know why. Like, yeah. did people who had cholera, like, did they seem dead and they weren't? Like, what? I think so, maybe. Yes. But accounts of unintentional live burial have been recorded even earlier. I wonder if it's because cholera makes you look blue. Oh, yeah. It does. Does it lower your heart rate? Does Probably. it? Probably. Also, it's just like, when did they learn to check for that? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, when his tomb was reopened, the philosopher John Duns Scotus was reportedly found, he died in 1308, was reportedly found outside his coffin with his hands torn and bloody after attempting to escape. Oh, God. Although it is possible that this is merely a myth. Oh, thank I God. hope so. I fucking hope so. <laughs> Jesus. The fears of being buried alive were heightened by reports of doctors and accounts in literature and newspapers, as well as dealing with the subject in The Fall of the House of Usher and The Cask of Amontillado. Edgar Allan Poe wrote The Premature Burial, which was published in 1844. It contained accounts of supposedly genuine cases of premature burial, as well as detailing the narrator's own perceived interment while still alive. God, I kind of want to read that, but I shouldn't. It would just freak me out so much. freak me out so bad. Yeah. Forever. Oh, God. The general fear of premature burial led to the invention of many safety devices, which could be incorporated into coffins. Most consisted of some type of device for communication to the outside world, such as a cord attached to a bell that the interred person could ring should they revive after the burial. A safety coffin of this type appears in the 1978 film The First Great Train Robbery, and more recently in the 2018 film The Nun. 
Never heard of that. Yeah. Uh, other variations on the bell included flags and pyrotechnics. <laughs> I'd love to just set off a firework. Some designs included ladders, escape hatches, and even feeding tubes. Ooh, but many forgot a method for providing air. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, this is like poses a real risk because what if you get buried alive on the 4th of July? Yeah. Then you just get stuck down there. Then you should just maybe wait. A while. <laughs> but how would you know? That's the other thing, too, is it's like if you get buried alive oh, yeah. and there's a string in your coffin that will ring a bell, how do you know that that's what that string does? I mean, I'm pretty sure you're going to try it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're going to try everything. Yeah. But uh, Robert Robinson died in Manchester in 1791. A movable glass pane was inserted in his coffin and the mausoleum had a door for purposes of inspection by a watchman who was to see if he breathed on the glass. He instructed his relatives to visit his grave periodically to check that he was still dead. So he put it in his will, like, make sure I'm dead. I'm very afraid of being buried alive. That's amazing. That's wild. You'd only really need that for like the first three days and then you'd... And then you'd be dead. Yeah, you'd be pretty sure. The first recorded safety coffin was constructed on the orders of Duke Ferdinand of Brunswick before his death in 1792. He had a window installed to allow light in, an air tube to provide a supply of fresh air, and instead of having the lid nailed down, he had a lock fitted. In a special pocket of his shroud, he had two keys, one for the coffin lid and a second for the tomb door. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. P.G. Pessler, a German priest, suggested in 1798 that all coffins have a tube inserted from which a cord would run to the church bells. (laughs) Sounds so complicated. Yeah. If an individual had been buried alive, they could draw attention to themselves by ringing the bells. This idea, while highly impractical, led to the first designs of safety coffins equipped with signaling systems. Pessler's colleague, Pastor Beck, suggested that coffins should have a small trumpet-like tube attached. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> being like <laughs> each day the local priest could check the state of putrefaction of the corpse by sniffing the odors emanating from the tube why would ah! you if no odor was detected or the priest heard cries for help the coffin could be dug up and the occupant rescued wow being like still dead down there <laughs> and then toot, toot. yeah <laughs> Uh, that smells less like a corpse and more like fresh human shit. I better start <laughs> digging. God damn it. <laughs> this is so dark. It's very dark. Dr. Adolf Gutsmooth. Wow, what a name. Excuse me. Gutsmooth was buried alive several times to demonstrate a safety coffin of his own design. And in 1822, he stayed underground for several hours and even ate a meal of soup, bratwurst, marzipan, sauerkraut, spatzel, spatzel. and for dessert... delivered him through the coffin's feeding tube that is a crap load of food that's a lot of food that's a normal amount i mean that's a not that's too much food to even eat when you're not buried i think (laughs) like why do you have to go so overboard he was only down there for several hours like you don't need to eat i mean i guess he was bored (laughs) he was just trying to demonstrate what you could do while in the coffin right 
The 1820s also saw the use of portable death chambers in Germany. Ugh, of course they were in Germany. <laughs> a small chamber equipped with a bell for signaling and a window for viewing the body was constructed over an empty grave. Watchmen would check each day for signs of life or decomposition in each of the chambers. If the bell was rung, the, quote, body could be immediately removed. But if the watchmen observed signs of putrefaction in the corpse, a door in the floor of the chamber could be opened and the body would drop down into the grave. Ah, Oh, my God. A panel could then be slid in to cover the grave and the upper chamber removed and reused. Ew. Interesting. In 1829, Dr. Johann Gottfried Taberger designed a system using a bell which would alert the cemetery night watchman. The corpse would have strings attached to its hands, head, and feet. Housing around the bell above ground prevented it ringing accidentally. An improvement over previous designs, the housing prevented rainwater from running down the tube and netting prevented insects from entering the coffin. If the bell rang, the watchman had to insert a second tube and pump air into the coffin with a bellows to allow the occupant to survive (laughs) until the casket could be dug up. It's so elaborate. It's so elaborate. And it's so unlikely for this to actually be needed. Yeah, like what are these based on also just, it's just like there were so many other problems happening at the time i think it's just so many people are so afraid of this yeah. that if you could afford this sort of thing you'd be like yeah you'd be like yeah fuck yeah the systems using cords tied to the body suffered from the drawback that the natural processes of decay often cause the body to swell or shift position see i was worried about that yeah causing accidental accidental tension on the cords and a false positive so like you would die and your body would swell up and they'd be like, oh my God, they're still alive. And it's yeah. like, no, they're just a swollen corpse. Yeah. Franz Vester's Ew. 1868 burial case overcame this problem by adding a tube through which the face of the corpse could be viewed. Great. Oh my God. All of the solutions to these problems are so overly complicated. Yeah. There's so many tubes. <laughs> <laughs> If the interred person came to, they could ring the bell, if not strong enough to ascend the tube by means of a supplied ladder, and the watchman could check to see if the person had genuinely returned to life or whether it was merely a movement of the corpse. Vester's design allowed the viewing tube to be removed and reused once death was assured. I'm glad they're reusing all of these things. Yeah. Ugh. Count Michel de Carnichy Carnicky, a chamberlain to the Tsar of Russia, patented his own safety coffin called Le Carnice in 1897, and demonstrated it at the Sorbonne the following year. His design detected movement in the coffin and opened a tube to supply air while simultaneously raising a flag and ringing a bell. It's like, (laughs) you've got mail. (laughs) (laughs) You've got life. Uh, Le Carnice never caught on. It was too sensitive to allow for even a slight movement in a decaying corpse, and a demonstration in which one of Carnice Carnicki's assistants had been buried alive ended badly Oh no! when the signaling systems failed. Luckily, the breathing tube had activated, and the assistant was disinterred, unharmed. But the reputation of Le Carnice was damaged beyond repair. Oh, man. Jesus Christ. In 1995, oh my God, 100-year jump, (laughs) a modern safety coffin was patented by Fabrizio Caselli. His design included an emergency alarm, intercom system, a torch, (laughs) flashlight, breathing apparatus, and both a heart monitor and stimulator. (laughs) Is it like a smart app? Like it connects- Which is just like, how do you just not know if someone's dead? I know. At the at that point, like just yeah. perform basic medical tests before you bury someone. Just wait a second. Yeah. But it's not it's not because people are actually getting buried alive. It's just because people are afraid, right? Yeah, it's not logical. 
people are like overly afraid of what will happen to their bodies after they die. Yeah. I think sometimes. Yeah. Not to judge. I don't give a fuck. Do whatever you want. I know. It doesn't matter. You can have sex with my corpse. (gasps) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Scandalous. Despite the fear of burial while still alive, there are no documented cases of anybody being saved by a safety coffin. Wow. (laughs) It is worth noting that the practice of modern day embalming has for the most part eliminated the fear of premature burial as no one has ever survived that process once completed. (laughs) I would like there to be like an app or something or like it connects to like your smart home device. Like, yeah. (laughs) Or just like, I guess if you just get buried with your Apple watch. Yeah. It should be able to tell if you have a pulse. There we go. Finally, it's good for something. Oh, well, they've been using those in like, there was an article that I read on Autumn that I didn't totally get the gist of, but uh, (laughs) where they used the data from someone's like smartwatch to tell what time she was actually murdered. (gasps) And then to like try and they used that data to like arrest someone. And it's unclear if he did it or not, or if there was like something weird going on with the data. I don't know. It's very weird. That's cool. Yeah. I want just like a murder watch, just a watch that tracks when and where I get murdered. Yeah. Or that just like if someone starts to murder me, it shouts like, you are being recorded doing a murder. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The authorities have been alerted to this murder that's in process. (laughs) Um, Saved by the bell expression. Folk etymology has suggested that perhaps the phrases saved by the bell, dead ringer, and graveyard shift come from the use of safety coffins in the Victorian era. However, these have been dispelled as urban myth, attributed to a linguistic email hoax, life in the 1500s. <laughs> the save by the bell expression is actually well established to have come from boxing, where a boxer who is still on their feet but close to being knocked down can be saved from losing by the bell ringing to indicate the end of the round. I thought save by the bell meant when you're in class in at class, school. And the bell rings when the teacher asks you a hard question and then you get to leave. Yeah. Well, I guess bells are... Saving a lot of people. That's right. The Liberty Bell saved America. <laughs> I don't know what the Liberty Bell is. <laughs> it's cracked. I know that. Someone broke it. Uh, I love a good crack. Uh, <laughs> in popular culture, in 2009, the song uh, The Tale of Solomon Snell by Duncan Sheik from his album Whisper House tells the story of a man who, for his burial, gives instructions to be buried in a safety coffin with a bell mechanism attached, but ultimately fails to be saved due to the person in charge of listening to the bell getting drunk. That's <laughs> oh, all no. in one song? <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. I did not know that that was the kind of thing Duncan Sheik was writing about. I knew he was doing a lot of, like, Broadway songs. Oh. Yeah. I'm not familiar. Yeah. He de- he wrote I think all the music to uh, Spring Awakening. Oh, and maybe some other ones. Yeah. Anyway, cool. That is the end of this Wikipedia page. That's great. Uh, that concludes Wiki of the Week. Thank you for sending us this, Beth. Very good and very spooky. <laughs> I do not feel safer. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. But I also don't plan on being buried in a coffin. Mm-mm. I plan on jumping into a volcano. Oh, cool. At the age of 90. Have you picked out a volcano yet? No, I don't actually think I'm going to do that. (laughs) It sounds like it would be too hot. (laughs) Yeah. I'm always worried with things like that. Like, what if you don't die all the way? Yeah. And then you're just like, yeah, like a smoldering pile for for days. That's a good Halloween costume. (laughs) A smoldering pile. A smoldering pile. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds easy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That concludes Wiki of the Week. It's time now for What Did I Learn? What did I learn? 
Lisa, what did you learn today? Um, I guess I learned that I'm not that afraid of being burying, buried alive. I don't think it's one of my primary fears. I don't think I would need any kind of safety device. I mean, I feel like I'm still afraid of being buried alive, but not because people think I'm dead, just because like an accident happened and a bunch of stuff fell on me. Yeah, like an earthquake. Yeah, being buried alive in a coffin is not what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to get buried alive under something else. Yeah, or like someone kidnaps you and buries you alive, and then they go to Peter and they're like, if you want to find out what Emily went through, come with me, and then... That's like the plot of a movie. Oh, I was like, Lisa, how did you conjure such a spooky story? <laughs> it's the plot of a movie that's been remade like a million times. Oh. And I've seen every version just by what movie catching is on TV. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember the name. There's like there's like a, a European one and then there's like an American one. And then I think there's one that has Rick Mayall in it. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I keep having happening to see this. I think one's with Ryan Reynolds. Weird. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> but you keep watching it and yet I keep every iteration I keep watching it <laughs> uh, it's my curse um, and I learned what did I learn did I learn anything today it's okay if you didn't I don't know if it is learning all the time it's hard it's, it's a, very hard it's a burden yeah um, yeah I guess I learned uh that friendship. No, no, no. <laughs> oh my God. I was so excited. What a tease. Is the most important safety coffin at all, of all. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I guess I also learned where the phrase saved by the bell comes from. Yeah. All I, right. I didn't that know works. it was from boxing. I guess yeah. I should have. I didn't. Um, that's our show. Thank you for listening. Thanks to our producer, Rob Para. Thanks to our brother, my brother, <laughs> our collective brother. He's my brother now, too. Yeah, Nate Heller. Just for through osmosis. Our many theme songs, including our newest theme song. Indoors Horse. Yes. Um, um, if you want to send us wiki links or butt pics or any weird old thing or quests for advice and truth, um, send them to babygeniusespodcast at gmail.com. Um, follow us online. I'm at Mr. Emily Heller. I'm at Lisa Draws. And, and goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> 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 Yay. everything. Baby geniuses. We know everything. Baby geniuses. We know everything. Baby geniuses. We know everything. Hey, I'm Aneke. And I'm James. And together, we are the self-proclaimed wonder twins of podcasting and host Minority Corner. We tackle subjects like LGBTQ topics, pop culture, and untold histories of American POCs, like the true story of escaped slave turned pirate turned Navy man in the Civil War turned congressman Robert Smalls. Plus current events from our perspective. Deep dive movie and TV reviews. You'll also get awesome book recommendations from their neighborhood-friendly librarian. Don't forget my award-winning Jennifer Hudson impressions and i'm telling you while never taking ourselves too seriously minority corner because together we're the majority every friday here on maximum fun maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned audience supported